0: Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time. Every time that you give to us to come together to listen to your word, an opportunity for us to, Lord, to change all the way we think, that we'll recalibrate ourselves, O Lord, to the truth of the word of God, which is forever eternal. The eternal God who never changes. And Lord, you warned us through your son, when he said, on that day, I will not judge you, but the very word that you spoke, that I spoke, will judge you on that day. And your word, O Lord, is eternal, forever eternal, settled in the heavens. You magnified your name, your word above all your name, and therefore this evening, grant us the grace to raise ourselves, our lives, to the standard of what you require from each one of us. It is impossible in our own strength, but Lord, through your Holy Spirit and by the power of your grace, O oh Lord, we are able to do it. And therefore, I pray, Lord, prepare us, and even as we receive your word, let faith increase, fill us with your spirit, write your laws on the tables of our heart, and cause us to walk in your ways. Thank you, Father, for this time. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and anoint us in the speaking and the hearing of today's meditation. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. We've been taught over the years. We have been taught. Okay, I I just included that. uh, Assuming that we have all been taught, but then I should have actually written I have been taught. Over the years, that in order for me to be successful in my Christian life, and finish my race, and get my not reward, but my full reward. That is what it says in Second John. This is verses one to eight. One John, Second uh, John, verses one to eight. Wash out! This is uh, the New Living Translation. That you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Oh, it's 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 not easy to to build the christian life and and, and obviously uh, this is uh, apostle john the youngest of all the apostles and the one who lived the longest um he is saying that we worked hard you know apostle john was a hard working man okay he was a fisherman called by god uh, and he worked really really hard and he says watch out that you do not lose what we have together with you work so hard to achieve be diligent, so that you receive your what reward? Full reward. You know, Apostle John was a hardworking man. Sometimes we might think, you know, he didn't write, write so many uh, epistles or so many books in the New Testament. Uh, I think he was a reluctant writer. This is just trivia, by the way. I mean, just just wanted to show you some verses which I thought were interesting. Second John. This is Second John, chapter one, verse twelve. I have much to write to you. <laughs> I wish she did, right? But it says, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Okay. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that your joy may be complete. Yeah, this is, was his desire. I mean, he's a hardworking man. Don't mistake that, you know, he was lazy and he didn't want to write. No, he wanted to write much, but then, you know, he liked personal touch. Okay. Um, see, there's a difference between online class and uh, live class and tutorial. Tutor, having a personal tutor. So he wanted he was that kind of a guy. So he he had much to write, uh, and but he said, you know what? I personally would like to come and talk to you again. Another another place. Third John chapter one. I have much to write, <laughs> but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. And therefore, you know, if you read, uh, if, if uh, we've been studying the book of Revelation, you know, uh, it says to the angel of the church at so and so, what? Right, okay, so, so the word is right, you No, know, maybe God knew, Jesus knew. I know you want to go and meet in person, but we, we never know, it's for all ages, right? Right, don't be reluctant. But that's just uh, trivia. This one thing is important though, be diligent so that you receive your full reward. All of us have a reward. The promised land is there. That is for you. I have given it unto you. But have they completely obtained the promises that God had for them? No, not even in the lifetime of Joshua. There was so much left yet to be conquered in the promises that God already gave them. So and, and and they were reluctant and then it says in the, the book of Judges, it says uh, there was a generation which arose which did not know the God of their father, not of the work that they did for Israel and after Joshua's generation all passed away, they did not fight. And God said, I will leave all these people in your midst and they will be what? Like thorns. <laughs> Around, uh, around you. And th- that's what we see even today, like thorns, you know, you didn't uh, leave the promised land completely, uh, conquered, A full reward. This is already there, but not everybody gets the full reward. Okay. That is a sad reality of Christendom. So we need to endure. Therefore, we've been exhorted to endure for he who endures till the end, Completely will be saved, spirit, soul and body and we will receive the full reward. And why should we endure? What should we endure? Christian life is not easy, it is worked out in the presence of opposition. Okay, Opposition, just not external, opposition which is inside of us. Sin nature that we have to fight every day. The sin, the iniquity like we heard last night. And we also have to fight the flesh in which that iniquity lies. And we have to fight the world and we have to fight the devil. And Christian life is full of opposition. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Therefore, if you read through the, apostles, the epistles, doesn't matter which epistle, you, uh, epistle writer you take, Pauline, Peter, James, John, everybody, they write to a people who are going through intense trial. For their faith, and it is going to happen in the last days. But Christianity, genuine Christianity, will be a conscious minority in the presence of militant hedonism. Those are not my words; the words of Leonard Ravenhill in his book "Sodom Had No Bible." I mean, I'll, I'm starting to read that book; it scares me. Sodom had no Bible. This is what he says: genuine Christianity will be a conscious minority in the midst of militant paganism, which is opposed to every standard of the word of God. Why? I mean, one of the reasons, one of the reasons as to why there is so intense, such an intense battle for the peace of land is just because the entire demonic hosts hate the purposes of God. And they do everything in their capacity to thwart if not thought, at least delay the purposes of God. But God is sovereign; He cannot be stopped. Or "Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." Will not prevail. That's a promise that He gave. So, uh, it's, this is this is this is important for us to understand. There will be a constant battle that we have to um, wage. Wage over good warfare. No, think about it, no? Think about it. I'll just give you one parable that all of us will understand. When the ministry of the word is going on, for example, we constantly keep looking at our watches. We're very conscious of the time. Very conscious. Why is it taking such a long time? This is too much. But we can sit through an entire World Cup match for four hours and we're not even looking at the watch. We can sit through a movie for three and a half hours, and we are not looking at looking at the watch. We can we can we can swipe through what is that shots in YouTube, okay? And waste hours and hours and not keep looking at our watch. The other day I was I was teaching one of the students, uh, uh, and I was spending time with a student, and I and I, I told her for like forty five minutes and one hour I just spent with the, the, the time with the student. And I looked at the student, and I said, you know what? I gave one hour of my life to you. I just wanted to make sure that the student gets what I'm what I'm saying. So better give me results. Okay, one hour of my life has been invested into your life. Okay, forty plus now. Very little, very little life left for me now. Okay. So, so then after I, after I made that statement, I came back and I started thinking over it. My goodness, is it, is it not true that every time, we, are we so, are we really conscious of the, about the fact that we are actually losing time? We are actually losing life. And the slice of time for, which is allotted for us is getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And thinner. And when we were kids, we thought we had all the time in the world. Now, when we actually have grown up, we have no time at all. I mean, I am just looking at this year; which just, it just, in a blink of an eye, it, it's kind of just went past us. Understand this, and there is an opposition. There is an opposition and therefore those who, what does the enemy try to do? He he tries to, what? Steal, kill and destroy. And what does he try to steal, kill and destroy? Time. Time, 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 my dear brothers and sisters. So, when trials and testings and temptations come our way, so if you read through the entire epistles, you will see that the church in every age, the genuine godly remnant church, because Paul himself said, all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay. That means if you're not being persecuted, if you're not facing opposition for your faith, the chances are that you're not desiring to live a godly life in Christ. And that is one of the paradigms that we know. That these are, these are one of the what are the uh, earmarks, if you will, the riders, if you will. That I'm truly a believer and I'm really walking with the Lord. So if you end, if you read the, all the epistles, by and large, you will see that it has been written by the persecuted to the persecuted. And what is that? In this face of this trial, don't become unfaithful. Be steadfast in your faith. Hmm. The temptation is to give up. The temptation is to just walk away. And one of the things is, one of the things that we don't have plan B. I told you, no? The plan B is to make what? Plan A work. That's all. How to get plan A done? We don't have a plan B. So, and you'll see all the epistles and particularly if you look at the epistle to the Hebrews. Hebrews is that one letter which is it is given to the to the hebrew believers who are going through intense persecution they have left their judaic faith now what is facing them is intense okay what is facing them is the religious class what is facing them is the intellectual class the greeks the jewish 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 people and the greeks against them and what is also against them is the military class the romans the government the establishment The religious establishment is against them. The intellectual establishment is against them, and the military and the and the government is against them. In the midst of this, you know what they did? They turned the whole world. What? Sit down. You know what? Think about this. And and they faced intense persecution, and especially the book of Hebrews is written to those people, who. Actually, what does the word Hebrew mean? The one who crossed the river. And now they said, you know what? This is enough. It's like going on and on and on and on. They said, you know what? Enough. If we just compromise a little and go back, you know, things will be easy. But for a, for a believer, those that is not an option. We heard last Sunday, Abraham. Abraham, the Hebrew. And what is the one thing that Abraham took a promise from, an oath from his servant Eliezer. He said, you know what? If the girl is not willing to become a Hebrew, my son is not going to go back. She has to leave and she has to come here. And if, if she is not willing to come, then, you know what? You are free from this oath. So, you will see that this, is, this there is intense persecution and the temptation is to fall away. To give away. What is falling away means? To stop being faithful. Just to give up. To compromise. To, 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 to just go in with the flow. Okay. But that is a warning that we have. The precise warning that we have in scripture. In 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 3. It says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless what comes first. The falling away. The word for falling away is very interesting. Comes from the Greek word epistio. Epistis means faithful. Epistio means unfaithful. Same word is used for divorce. Now what has happened? You've been married to Christ Jesus. Now you want a what? You said, you know what? In sickness and in health, in riches and poor, poverty, till death do us a part. That's what you promised when you went into the water of baptism. But now the trials have come. Bank balance is less. Hmm? Sickness is there. Nothing. I, I mean, nothing. Everything is against you, and is. I don't want this. And you want to give a certificate of divorce. That's what. That is a temptation. And the man of sin, the, of lawlessness, of iniquity, the son of perdition, is revealed. But that day will come. The temptation to fall away. These are the warnings. Again, in First Peter chapter four, verse one onwards. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will what depart from the faith. The same word. Episteo. My just shall live by there. Faithfulness or their loyalty. Hmm? Matthew chapter twenty-four. It says, "Then they will deliver you to be uh, deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray, will hate. Many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold." Lawlessness will abound. The man of lawlessness will arise in each one of our hearts. It's said, you know what? This is enough. I don't want to fight it anymore. And then again, but Paul says, you know, Timothy, all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will go through persecution. So hang on. Don't give up. This is what he says in Second Timothy chapter 3, Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You see that? A manner of life. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, affliction, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium. All these persecutions out of which the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But what will happen to evil men and imposters? The word for imposters, of course, is sorcerers. Deceivers will grow worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. So there's a temptation. So if you read the entire epistle to, to the Hebrews, you'll see that the temptation is to fall away. To give up. Falling away means, I mean, I'm, it's not that you're outwardly not religious anymore. In, inside you say, okay, I'll believe it, uh, believe Jesus in my heart, but I'm not go all the way. That is where we have the warning in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. What does it say? For yet a little while, and he who is coming, will come and not Do you believe this? Yet a little while? Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure. And that is the reason why you see the entire epistle to Hebrews, he uses all these men of faith in the Old Testament who in the midst of adversity, in the midst of opposition, they held on to God right from Abel. Who was persecuted. Then you have No in uh, you have Enoch and Noah and all the men of faith who through intense opposition they stayed faithful. But that is not the paradigm. The ultimate paradigm is who? Hebrews chapter 12. And of course, we look unto Jesus. And what specifically we look unto Jesus? This is what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility. Oh my goodness. You see. I mean, it's true, right? The incredible hostility against Israel. I mean, it's right there before our eyes. It is illogical. It is illogical. There is no reason for it. I mean, you've completely forgotten what the other, the the other people have done and you're saying now this is the occupier. The, The entire blame goes to the people of God. And the, the voices are rise, raising, rising, and they're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. So, the, that is the mood in, 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 the, in the book of Hebrews, the epistle to Hebrews. A tremendous opposition, this is what he says, from such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. There will be, I mean, that is one of the reasons why discouragement is the killer People get discouraged. They go into a shell, and then they slowly go away. So, this morning, I want to look at how, what kind of a attitude and attributes I have to uh, practice in my life as a believer, as a one who's been a redeemed child of the living God. I'm just want to look at only uh, in the in the book of Hebrews because it is that 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 one particular phrase which just caught my attention. If anyone draws back, and it's, it says that when the teaching became a little hard, many of the disciples went back and they did not follow him anymore. It's a danger. None of us is exempt. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. The God Alive. It's very interesting. It's ironic. The guy who wrote the song actually left the faith. And he was wandering away from God. And one day he was on a train uh, taking a journey towards one place in England. There was a Christian lady, a believer, a new believer in Christ. And uh, she was on fire for God and she was singing, Come the fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. And she was just humming and singing the song over and over again. And this guy was sitting next to her in the, in the train. <laughs> and she looked at him and she said, Brother, you look miserable. What's up with you? <laughs> you know what he said? Sister, I wrote that song. I wrote that song. How did you reach there? Fallen away? You think that we are exempt from it? Oh, I mean, yesterday pastor was saying, no, I don't trust myself. There's only one constant unchangeable in our lives and in the universe. His name is the Ancient of Days, who is what? The same yesterday, today and forever. So if you read the epistle to Hebrews, it's written to those people who are going through a position and they have this temptation to leave the faith and to go back to the status quo. And to them, you know what he says? He wants, if you do not want to come to the point wherein you are tempted to draw back, there are certain things that you can do to preempt those decisions that will come your way. Let me tell you, Everything in a Christian life is a decision. Is a decision. To love is a decision. To submit is a decision. <laughs> Everything is a decision. That's the reason why he says, John's Gospel chapter, chapter 7 verse 17, he says, If anyone who wills to do my will, he will know. He will know. So how do we as believers prepare ourselves so that we have sufficient spiritual ballast to last the last days (laughs) and the times that are ahead of us, which are going to be perilous, dark times, intense times of opposition, not easy to stay faithful through a 24 hour day, let alone days. In a 24 hour day. So how do we do it? What are the warnings that I have to take heed? Where does it start? How do I reach a point wherein I'm tempted now to leave the faith? Where it is, where does it start? How do I preempt it? How do I recognize? And how do I successfully finish the race that God has put me in? Looking unto Jesus, the author And the finisher of our faith. So this morning I want to look at one, 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 only one warning. In the book of Hebrews, which I'm sure a lot lot of us know. This is found in Hebrews chapter 1, sorry, chapter 2 and verses 1 onwards. This is what it says. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift. You see, this is important. This is where it starts. Okay. The most dangerous way of falling away happens in the most seemingly innocuous ways. Okay. You don't even realize it. And one day you are out of, out of love. Okay. Slowly, something has creeped in. Little by little by little. Dangerous ways in which falling away happens is spiritual Drifting. And what is it? It's a comparison of a boat or a ship which is not been anchored. You know what an anchor is, right? You know what? You you, you all know. I mean, if you've uh, stayed close to a beach, you know there are two kinds of tides. We call as a high tide and a low tide. So generally fishermen, they go to fishing during high tide. So they go to the deep waters because it's easy to, the wind is like, uh, for them, they go to deep waters, and when it's low tide, the fish come up, they fish. And when it's high tide again, they come back. This is generally the modus of operandi. Okay. Now, the point is, how does drifting happen? And I, I remember B- B- Pastor Sundar Krishnan, in one of his teachings, t- teachings in Hebrews, he, he mentions this. You know, he was he was actually uh, lazing on a beach in, for, on one of his uh, family holidays. He was on a raft a small raft on the shore of a, of a river, river. It's not even a sea. So he was just relaxing, closing his eyes, and the, the gentle, you know, the, the seesaw motion of the riverbed, you know, started to put him to sleep, rocked him to sleep. Okay. And after 20, 30 minutes, he just opened his eyes. He was almost like, almost 500, to 200, 500 meters away from the shore. And immediately he had to, you know, rush back before he entered entered into deep waters you see this drift happens very slowly because there's an undergirding current which is against christianity that is something which is ostensibly obvious and thus there's something which is undercurrent there's a spiritual there's a there's a spiritual uh, what do you say current which is underneath everything which causes people to drift away the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches the desire for other things so maybe we don't want to be rich, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we don't have desire for other things, but definitely cares for this world. The cares of this age, the most precise translation, age of this life. What will happen to my children? What will happen to my children's marriage? What will happen? 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 This, this concern and this anxiety. Oh, slowly causes people to go away, drift away, drift away. So drift happens very, very, very slowly, very, very innocuously. You see, and what, that is the reason why we, we look at the example of Lot, right? Classic example of a drifter. <laughs> look at how he just leaves the faith. And what does he do? He leaves away, I mean, he leaves the place of teaching, the place of fellowship, the place of deliverance, the place of freedom, genuine freedom the place of constant battle to keep you sober he leaves it leaves it and it says he pitched his tent first close to sodom then he built a house in sodom and then he reached the gates of sodom as an elder and what did what is it what happens ultimately he even though he is a righteous man what did he do He lost his ability to influence his own household, let alone the people of Sodom. That is is the reason why these undercurrents are important. Drifting, keeping ourselves from spiritual drifting. So how do we keep ourselves from spiritual drifting? That is something which I want to uh, analyze this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, let us read the entire passage together. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Keep that drift away in mind. For if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? So two words. We drift because we neglect. That is the reason why? We drift. Negligence. The word for neglect is also means ignore. But we'll come to that. What do we neglect? It says, earnest things to the things we have heard. So what do we neglect? Warnings. Warnings. Teaching. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 22. Let's read it. In the context of what we heard last Sunday about a bride prepared for her husband, that is Christ, it says in Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 1 onwards, it says, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again a parable and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. He arranged a marriage for his son and He invited. Then what happened? Again, he sent out other servants saying to those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted fatted, uh, cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. And the Bible says, but they made light of it. The word actually means neglected or ignored. You know what? Ignorance is a choice. It's actually a choice. They ignored. That's what it means. They were warned, but they chose to not listen. They made light of it. Ignorance is a choice. All students, you need to understand. Ignorance is is not bliss. It's a choice. We become negligent because we are engrossed in our own things. And you see that. We ignore warnings. If you see that same paradigm is given in Second, Second Peter chapter three, uh, 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 describing the days of Noah, knowing this first that there are they shall c- come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are what? Willingly ignorant. You see, it's a choice. They are willingly ignorant. And why do people go into captivity? Because of ignorance. Why are people destroyed? Because of lack of knowledge. It is ignorance which destroys them. It is ignorance which kills them. It is ignorant and most importantly, willful ignorance. In other words, you've been given the truth, but you neglect it or you choose to ignore it. Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 13. This is what it says. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst because they have no knowledge. Because they are ignorant. Ignorance has killed them. They have gone into captivity. So, one of the reasons why we drift is because we neglect. We neglect the teaching on bride. We neglect the teaching on husbands as to how, how they should love wives. We neglect the teaching as to how wives should submit to their husbands. We neglect the teaching about children being obedient to their parents. We neglect. That is the reason why we think it's okay. See, the times of ignorance, God has winked, overlooked. But now, hmm, now that you know, now that you know, don't neglect. Don't ignore. You know what will happen? You will start drifting. Slowly. think about it, no? Have, one of the reasons why you should constantly keep asking yourself is, have I lost that touch, that edge, that same forward when I came to church? The enthusiasm for the word, the preparedness to hear, the preparedness to worship. Do I get really concerned if I don't read my Bible? After reading the Bible, what is my response? Am I fired up? Think about that. Read the Bible. After you read the Bible, I mean I'm telling you honestly, now I read every part of the Bible, it fires me up. The details fire me up in Leviticus also. I read Exodus, all the details, it fires me up. I don't know. I mean this I I after I read and I read it loudly in my house, even in my morning. First of all, I do it. I get up in the morning, I read it loudly. Okay. You see, when you read loudly, God will send somebody to explain what you're reading. It says the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Okay, loudly. <laughs> and then suddenly who was looking? Philip. I mean, I'll tell you honestly, you know, this is something which you need to do. Loudly, wherever you go, open your Bible. We were traveling to Wysag some few, a few years back. Uh, our entire family were flying, uh, early morning flight. So we went early. So we didn't have time to read the Bible in the morning. So we just packed and left. And then... Uh, in the flight, I opened my Bible, all the, ch- all the children, they opened their Bibles and, you know, and my habit is uh, wherever I am, I read loudly. Started reading loudly, 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 you know, okay, finished everything and I closed my Bible, uh, flight landed in an hour and a half, one half, 15 minutes, we landed, we got out, suddenly there was a woman who was running, running behind us, with a bindi, no, she's not a believer, okay. She came and looked at us and she said, I am so happy to see you Christians read your Bible so loudly. I said, thank God. It's a testimony. Read it. So what happens when this Ethiopian eunuch is reading? Who's watching? The spirit is watching. And suddenly he tells Philip, Philip, Philip he gives him a rapture experience. You know that? Philip is raptured. The, the 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 Bible says Philip was lifted up. The word herpatso, which means rapture. One guy was raptured and brought to a man who was reading his Bible loudly while he was traveling. How do you read, my dear brothers and sisters? Do you neglect your reading? <laughs> that is the reason why you are not fired up. And I do I do it loudly because faith cometh by hearing, and the hearing by the word of God. And I keep reading and I listen. Of course, in, in Telugu nowadays, bah, Telugu is fantastic because it's my mother tongue. And I read it in Telugu; it's even more fired up. The words are just fabulous and I'm telling you the the purest form of Telugu right now in contemporary literature, in Telugu literature is preserved for the church. You know that? Nobody else in any part of Telugu literature speaks the kind of of language that we Christians speak. So even in movies if they have to make fun of Christians, you know what kind of language they use? Holy language. Holy Telugu language. That kind of language nobody else will use. You read it. You read it. I'm telling you, you read it loudly. I mean, if you have the ability and the and the and the provision to read loud, I'm sure all of you do. If not, you have it for sure. You have times wherein you all by yourself. Read it loudly. It'll see you. You see, it says, you no, know, when he was opening the scriptures, what happened to their heart? Their heart started burning. No, I was thinking, no, a lot of Christians will say, no, I wish Jesus was there walking beside me and he would be opening the scriptures. How different it would have been. You know what? The Bible says the same Spirit of Christ, which was walking alongside them, the same anointing, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, has been given to us and he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send a person just like me. I will come back to you. Where is he? Right inside of our heart. And if you open up the Bible, start reading, especially the book of Revelation, you know why? Because a special bell blessing is given to those people who read. Read. That's the reason why Jesus constant refrain. Have you not read? 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 Telugu. Chadu valeda, chadu And chadu your And what does your, what does your mother say? Chadu, 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 chadu. Padi 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 Mole. That is what one of the one of the phrases that I have learned from my students in uh, in school. And that is what we have to also say. <laughs> God is selling to all the Malayalis and Telugu. Padi. Read my word. Read it loudly. Don't neglect the reading of God's word. Don't neglect the teaching of God's word. Don't neglect. This is what happens in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 17. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets. Every seer. You know what a seer means? It said it tells you, brother, you make these decisions in 15 years, you're going to be here. Five years you'll be here. You leave the place of teaching and you go anywhere else. This is where you're gonna have, this is what where you're gonna end up in. As a seer. turn from your evil ways, keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law, which I commanded your father, fathers, which I sent you by my servants, the prophets, nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord, their God. No, you need to understand everybody is prone to this. It doesn't matter which stage of the walk in your walk with the Lord you are in. No, you think about those people who went into captivity, right? 70 years of captivity were given to them. 70 years they were in captivity. And after 70 years of captivity was over, they were stirred in their spirits. And the ordinance was given by Cyrus. Remember Cyrus? He made an ordinance that all the Jews go back and build their temple. And all the people whose spirits were stirred up, they made this long dangerous walk back to Jerusalem. And they started building, building the temple. What happened to them? We will come to that later. This is what happened to them. Matthew chapter 22. And again. But they made light of it. Went their ways. One to their farm. and Another to their business. That's the problem. Everybody goes to their farm. Everybody goes to their business. Brother you do not know. I have bills to pay. Fees next month. So many things are there online. EMIs, what we call us mortgage in, in 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 uh in uh in North America, equal monthly plan in India. Any credit card will say EMI plan. So so many EMIs have to be paid. I have to go, I have to work hard. I'm telling you, people have even on Sundays, people work. This is talking about believers. Work, 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 walk, work, walk walk, 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 and never, ever, ever coming, I mean, never having sufficient to meet their needs. you know this this is what happened. These people came back from from, from Jerusalem, they started building the temple, and then suddenly opposition came. they stopped building the temple for how many years? For eighteen years. How many years? Cyrus gave the edict, they went back to Jerusalem, they started building the temple and then suddenly opposition came and they stopped building the the temple and it says in Ezra chapter 4, this is what it says in verse number 24. Thus the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem ceased and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius of Persia. How many years from Cyrus to Darius? 18 years. What were they doing in 18 years? Drifting. They stopped. They stopped. 18 years. You know, Pastor keeps telling us, no, the clock for Israel has stopped. For many believers, their clock also has stopped. They are in the same position they were in 18 years back. What are they doing? Drifting. So there is no purpose, no vision, there is no earmarked goal for their lives. They are just drifting. So, Ezra chapter 5, it says, Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting him. What what were they doing? What did they they prophesy? This is the scathing prophecy, or the remark, or the indictment of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, this is what it says, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Ah, time undre. Haram se. What is the hurry? I told you no. When the Bible, when we, the, when the preaching of the Word of God comes, we have become extremely time conscious. But when any other thing comes, we don't have time. See, so this is what we need to keep asking ourselves. The word of the Lord came through the Prophet Haggai. Is it time for you, you yourselves to be living in your own paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? How many people buy, just not one property in I told you, no? Know. Roti kapada, first makan, one gadi. Roti kapada makan, do gadi. Because makan is a little expensive. Now, roti kapda, do makan, do gadi. And, Once they buy their Gadi, they are already thinking the next upgrade. If, I mean, I'll use this Gadi for five years, next upgrade, whatever comes next, already planning ahead as to what they're going to buy next. Understand this slowly for 18 years, the focus went away from the house of God and into their own lives, own farm, own business. You know, I, I can tell this because I was a guy like many of the workaholics. I think still am, but I know work, 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 work used to, I mean, my life was defined by work. I, I, this is what I should tell myself, you know, what is the meaning of my life if I don't work? I mean, we don't say that you should not work hard, but that is not what defines you. You work because you are a child of God. You work because God is a worker from the beginning. There's no lazy people in the kingdom of God. But you know what? That becomes an ambition. That becomes a stronghold in your life. You earn a lot of money. Are you satisfied? Still more. You You learn, you have a lot of publications. Are you satisfied? One more. After you get the next publication, Next publication. You got an incredible amount of gra- uh, grants. Are you satisfied? Not satisfied. Next grant. You see, that is, a, that is how we, we, we get caught up in the temporal. That's what happened to Haggai's generation. Why did they drift away? Because their focus went away from the eternal, the house of God, which is we, which we are, the temple of God in the, in the New Testament. The focus went away from the house of God and into the temporal things, especially the cares of this world. My farm, my business. My farm, my business, my education. Have you how many of you heard Pastor Eric's uh, youth meeting message? It's there online, okay. So many years back, the first message that he preached, I was so fired up, I was so happy when I heard it. No, I wanted to hear it because it was the first message that he preached, no? And he said, You know what? I I he was telling this in his in his in his this is what this is this was his life, okay? I know his testimony, no. Uh tomorrow's exam he is more concerned about bible study tomorrow he would study more for the bible study in the in the, in the, in, the, in his college than for his exam so he was studying he was uh, somebody called him uh, a sister in the in the in the in the college who called called him and, and, and uh, she said uh, brother I'm, I'm i'm actually i'm really depressed i want to commit suicide now he being a uh, a, a male, he didn't want, he didn't want to uh, get close to the sister. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend one, one sister whom I know. She's strong in the Lord. She will encourage you. So he called her and he said, you know what, uh, this sister is, she's on the brink of uh, committing suicide. Can you just minister to her? And that, that sister said, you know what, I can't do it because I'm studying for tomorrow's, tomorrow's exam. And he was so upset. And he said, you know what, you're studying for tomorrow's exam. And what exam? Internal exam. He was upset. I mean, that, that was his life, you know. He was one of one guy who was to preach the word as if there was no chance tomorrow. That is how he got so much of fruit into the kingdom and you'll see the same spirit in his church when you go to Jamshed. Everybody's evangelizing. That is his passion at his word because he had the passion for souls. The eternal, the house of God, the burden for God. That's what pastor was saying. No, nothing else matters. What is the one prayer request that is the most important prayer request? The salvation for your household. Tell me now, tell me, tell tell me. In our own families, are there not people who are at the brink of death? We do not know when they are going to die and they are still not saved. Do we have passion? Do we have burden? You know why? Our farm, our business. It doesn't matter if this temple of God is in ruins. Our farm. Our business. Nadi, 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 Nadi. And therefore, Haggai goes on to say, he says, now this is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much. You work and work and work and work. In your farm, you work and work and work. You bring back very little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you are never satisfied. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only put to put them in a purse with holes. Now what? Of course, now it is, the hole is uh, Google Pay and Phone Pay. It's gone. Where is it gone? All your money. Two holes. G Pay, Phone Pay, and now another app, Cred. Everybody, every app is to steal money. Big holes. Three holes. By the time, fifteen. For, 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 no, not one. One week. Ten hours. It's gone. And next, you're concerned about next EMI. So you work for the next EMI, but you don't work for the next soul. Think about it. Forget about next soul. Are you you, you concerned about your own soul? (laughs) Forget about others. Think about it. And you know what, people don't like this. Now, think about it, no? These are the people who left Babylon, right? They left Babylon, they wanted to come back, come back and uh, build up, build Jerusalem. Now who had, who, what kind of prophet? They had two, pro- at least three prophets. We, we know, prophet Haggai, prophet Zechariah, and who was the third prophet? Malachi. Three prophets who are prophesying and encouraging them. Do you think they love their prophets? You would expect these people who left Babylon and who had the desire and the stirring in their spirit to come back and bring bring Jerusalem to be on fire for God and take the words of God seriously. But what did they do? Matthew chapter 22. But they made light of it. They went their own ways. One to his farm, one to his business and the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully and what did they do to Zechariah? Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 23. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. And verse 23, verse 23, so that on you will come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zachariah. Just in case you thought somebody else, other Zachariah, the son of Barakiah, the son of Phedo, whom you murdered, you killed him. You killed him too. You don't like it. Of course, now, now we don't kill prophets, of course, because we'll go to jail. So what do we do? We shut their voices in our lives. We don't hear anymore. We just tune them out. You see, listening to a message is a choice. What is it? It's a decision that you make before you come to church. I am going to listen to the message, Period. So I will take every precaution to ensure that my ears are tuned and my body is alert. That is the reason why, break up your fallow ground, the Bible says, and sow among, not among thorns, but on soft ground so that it will yield fruit. But you killed. You shut down voices. You know, there are so many voices in my life, a warning, I still listen to them today. I don't shut them. I still listen to them today. I listen to Zach Poonen. I listen to so many preachers whom really, really mentored me in my growing up days, and never shut down the. World. I don't have to listen to them. Nobody's watching me, but I make a conscious decision. And one of the messages that I, I, I one of the uh, one of the uh, teachings that I constantly listen to is "From Babylon to Jerusalem" by Zach Poonen, a series of five. Five books that he goes through. Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai and Zechariah. Five messages, five, chap, five books. He goes through verse by verse. I two Three months back, I, I was listening. I don't shut voices. I do not shut voices. I make a, make a deliberate choice to listen to them, even though they are hard sometimes. It's a choice. Don't shut the voices which warn you. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Neglect. Next one. How do we drift? Don't neglect the voice. Don't neglect the gift. This is of course specifically talking about the gift in ministry. But let me tell you something. We drift first thing. Because we neglect voices which warn us. Second, we drift because we neglect the gift. This is what... Derek Prince has to say in one of his teachings. This is what he says. Everything in the Christian life begins with a gift. Okay. Everything in a Christian life begins with a gift, but is perfected to practice and constant use. So let me remind you of certain gifts that we have. Okay. Salvation is a gift. That is the reason. How shall you escape if you neglect so great a salvation? It's a gift. Ephesians chapter two. This is what it says: For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself; it is a gift of God. Gift. So, what in salvation is a gift? I want to remind you in the time that I have this morning. Do not neglect the warnings. Do not neglect prophetic voices. Do not neglect prophetic voices. Understand this. In in theology, there's something called as a law of proportion. Okay. Well, what does the law of proportion mean? For example, if you read the entire book of Genesis, there's one chapter which is the biggest. What is it? Last time we, to, no, 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 not Joseph. The last, son, last, time, last Sunday we read the passage, Genesis chapter 24, Isaac and his bride Rebecca. That is the largest and the longest passage. If the Holy Spirit, who's so economical, who's very terse, who's not verbose, who's very careful with his words, if he has to spend so many verses as to how Eliezer is in search for a bride for his, his eternal uh, uh, son called Isaac, the volume of the verses will tell us how serious we have to be about the verses that God is speaking to us. Similarly, in the entire Bible, one-third, that is 30% of the Bible is prophetic. Close to. What is going to happen in the last days? In the last days, actually there are more prophecies about the second coming of Jesus, right from Enoch. You know what Enoch prophesied? Not about the first coming. Enoch Enoch prophesied that the lord is returning with 10000s of his saints to execute judgment all the ungodly people so the the weight the number of ways i mean the the, the very the, the proportion or rather the weightage that god gives to a particular subject called prophecy if you neglect it we do so at our own pra- peril and especially during the times that we are going through and what is therefore on monday and friday what do we have the prophetic book what is it revelation I was a part of the Revelation series then, as a student, as an employee. Now i a part of the Revelation series now, as a full-time worker. Why? Why is it important? Because of the last days. I remember pastor was telling us, the very first time we started the church, you know what he said? He said, this is 15, 16 years back. 16 years back, this is a statement that he made. He said, you know what, we are in the last days, and we want to prepare the church for the last days, and therefore we start our Bible study from the book of Revelation. 55 messages, if I'm right. One complete year, dedicated Wednesday Bible study for Revelation. Preparing the church for the last days. The prophetic. So do not neglect the prophetic voices, otherwise you will drift. What do prophes- prophetic voices do? They will tell about the things to come. They will warn you. They will ask you to be prepared. Preempt you. These are the exams that you, these are the questions that you that you need to know for your exam, right? For example, my, my if you go to my dad, Especially for Telugu, he will say, These are compulsory questions. Okay. I know you want to pass. Generally, all people who will come to my parents, they want to come at the time where they're all almost dying. And my dad and my mom they have to do what is it, what is it called? A CPR, no? Literally CPR. And then they will say, Visi came, Radhara? He knows nothing. It was, it was not, and that's exactly what happened. There's so many students for two years their complete memory bank has been wiped out because of corona. They know nothing. It's all gone, gone. No, they're already in tenth grade. And eighth and ninth is not there. So what do they do? They come to my parents. <laughs> uncle, uncle, uncle. Or rather, I, my parents. Means, please teach my child a little. What little? He knows little. Not even a little. I mean, you know what little means? Knows nothing. So what do prophets, prophets, prophets do? Examine is approaching. These are compulsory questions. Prepare, 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 prepare. This is the question paper. For husbands, this is a question paper for wives, this is a question paper for children, this is a question paper for employees, this is a question paper for people from all walks of life, prepare! Why? Knowing the terror of the Lord, be persuaded men, because we must all stand before, it is not me. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of not just one works that we do, even the words that we have spoken. What will your testimony be on that day? What is God's testimony about you on that day? Behold, the true Israelite in whom there is no guile. Will that be your testimony? will it be a testimony like the god spoke about noah i have found you perfect in your generations therefore enter into the into the joy of the lord you see it's a gift so prophetic voices don't neglect so we drift because we neglect prophetic voices And the second way we drift is we neglect the gift. The gift of God. The charisma of God. The word for gift is charisma. So many words. Charisma, didome, so many words. But there's one central theme: do not neglect those gifts that God has given us. So everything in Christian life is a gift. Salvation encompasses a lot of gifts. It's a it's a it's a collection of, of a lot of gifts. So let us start with the first gift for all of us. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, the first thing that you should do. Yes? Repent. So what is it? Repentance is a is a gift. So don't neglect it. It starts repentance in your life, in your walk with the Lord, starts with a gift. Somebody was praying, no? no I think uh, uh Pranit was talking about uh what's his name? Uh Paul mentioning that he was a chief of the sinners. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners of whom I am the chief. In other words, you know what Paul's conviction was? If there was to be the worst place in hell. See, the chief of sinners, what is the place in hell? The worst place. If there was a worst place in hell, which should, whom, whom should belong there? Who should belong there? I should belong there. But thank God, God saved me. In other words, till the end of his life, he was constantly changing the way he was thinking. That is repentance. It starts as a gift. And it is perfected. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25. So don't ever think, you know what, I can repent whenever I want. God has to give that gift. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25. We all know this. In meekness instructing those who oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them what? Repentance. It's a, it's a gift. Give. It's a gift. Everything is a, in the Christian life is a gift. Therefore, perfect repentance. What is perfecting repentance means? Not constantly thinking, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. No, 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 no. Initially that will happen. The first time when you really encounter God and you have been convicted, yes, there is weeping, there is godly sorrow and you turn completely towards God and after you keep listening to the word, you constantly keep changing your mind. That is repentance. Repentance. Okay, so repentance is a gift. Acts chapter 11. This is what it says in Acts chapter 11, verse 17 onwards. If therefore God gave them what? The same gift. What is that gift? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God also has granted to the Gentiles what? Repentance to life. Repentance is a gift. So don't take it lightly. Because there will come a time when you will not repent anymore. This is what I wrote. The the ability to change your mind is a gift. Don't neglect it. Perfect it. Don't neglect. Don't neglect it. If you neglect it, you will do so at your own peril. Keep changing. So what does it say in uh, Romans chapter twelve in the room, in Romans chapter twelve, this is what he says, "I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed. This is the word for transform, change your mind by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You know what proving means, even as you obey, you will know." This is what God wants me to do. If you look at some of the pictures of our Charan. Charan, right? Oh, that guy is a young man with... Boy, he's now uh, He's become a NFL, not NFL. He's playing American football. Now I heard one of the things that he told his mom. I was born for this. Now, think about an Indian guy. Who is going to be better than most Americans in American football? Think about that. Think about it. What do we play, right? First, two, Gilly Danda. That is where we start. That is our national sport, not Kabaddi, okay? Gilly Danda. Huh? And then, of course, because Gilly Danda, we want to make it a little more posh, we call it cricket. Hmm? That is what we play. And we invest our life and money in cricket. Can you ever imagine a Desi guy, <laughs> Charan? I know, <laughs> amazing, no? If he, if he ever is going to make it into the NFL, cut one day, Charan, the Indian, playing American football, kya I think he'll be the only Indian in the entire history of American football who's going to play cricket, play NFL. And he already told his mom, "I was meant for this." And how did he do it? He started playing. And even as he started playing, he knew that he was meant for this. He started proving it. Now you start doing the same thing. And you will say, you know what? I was born of God. Okay? I have the seed of God inside of me. I was born to do the will of God. And even you, even as you start obeying the will of God, you will say, I was meant for this. You start proving it in your own life. Experientially. I was meant for this. I was meant for this. I was This was good for me. From the last one year, I'm telling you how grateful I've become to God. Oh, Lord. I do not know whether I was called to preach. <laughs> but I'm absolutely sure that I was supposed to be here. In this place. No other place. I am in the perfect will of God. And I have proved it in my own life. Understand this. Repentance is a gift, my dear brothers. Do not neglect. So the ability, so that's the reason why the Bible says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Change. So Paul told the all these genius intellectuals in Athens. All these times of ignorance God has winged at. Beco- and he has not, he's now commanded everyone in every place to repent because he has ordained a day to judge all people by the man Christ Jesus and he has given evidence of this by raising him from the dead. You know what happened? The movement he got talked about the resurrection from the dead. You know what happened? People started mocking. Some people said, we will hear about this later. That's it. That is a dangerous crowd. Later gift of God is there. If you neglect it, you do so at your own peril. To change your mind, the ability to change your mind is a gift. Change your mind is a gift. Don't neglect it. Romans, Hebrews chapter 6, another warning. Hebrews chapter 6, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the, what? Heavenly gift. It's a heavenly gift. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Five things. What is that? They were. Say that. Enlightened. They've got the heavenly gift. They became partakers of the Holy Spirit. Third. They've tasted the good word of God. Fourth. And the powers of the age to come. Five. If they fall away. If they apostatize. If they go back. To renew again them to repentance is dangerous. It's not possible. It's impossible this is one of the impossibles in the bible what, do you, what will you do when you read this it is not meant for me once saved always saved if you are saved you have the ability to change start changing start perfecting that gift second I'm at the, look at the order Okay, but who brings the conviction to repent it is the holy spirit therefore who is the gift then holy spirit he is the gift the gift. Acts chapter 2 verse 35. Acts chapter 2 that verse 35. Therefore, don't neglect the uh, gift of repentance. Second gift, don't neglect the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is the person who has got the keys to the steward. He is the steward of the riches of God. Like Eliezer was. Ten camels full of goodies from Abraham's house. All full of gifts. So if you want the gift, you should friend, be friend the Holy Spirit. No, I think, um, recently I got a, uh, uh, Vlad, Vlad, Pastor Vlad. I don't, I don't know. Vlad Sh- check something. Shamchek, okay. He wrote a book recently. It's become very good. It's a good book. I still, I still haven't read it, but I have, I know an overview of it. He says, Host the Holy Ghost. That's the title of the book. Host the Holy Spirit. Meaning, he is the person, you know, the very title itself speaks volumes. He is the person who is in charge of the heavenly riches. He himself is the gift. So befriend him. Don't grieve him. Don't lie to him. Don't insult him. Don't neglect him. Don't quench him. He is the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 verse 35. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name name of Jesus Christ for uh, the remission of your sins. And you shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. most powerful gift that God has given His church is the gift of the Holy Spirit who continues to speak and makes the word of God relevant to our lives. Hebrews chapter 3. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today, who says? Who says? Holy Spirit says. Who is there? Who is the Holy Spirit? The person who is inside of each one of us. Each one of us. When we are born, we are born of God. We have received the Holy Spirit. He has become the earnest of our expectation. He has become the deposit of God. The gift. So what should we do? Continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on asking Lord, fill me more. Fill me more. Fill me more. Not anoint me more. That is for service. We'll come to that later. But fill me more. Even the anointing. Anointing is to understand the word of God. To understand his ways. To know his ways. To understand the teaching. To make it relevant to my situation. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. So do not harden your hearts. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or wastage. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do we fill with the Holy Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you know what happens? And you keep receiving the word of God by faith, God will continuously be keep filling you with the Holy Spirit. You know what this is? This meeting is? This meeting is ordained by God so that when you receive the word of God by faith, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him increase. Keep on asking Lord. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. So Holy Spirit, he is the gift. And when we are born again and when we have been declared righteous, what is the next gift? What is the next gift? Righteousness is a gift. So, Repentance is a gift. (laughs) Holy Spirit is a gift. He is the gift. And that's the reason why he says, Paul says, I thank God for this unspeakable, what? Gift. Righteousness is a gift. What kind of a gift is this? Look at at the adjectives that are used to describe righteousness. Romans chapter 5. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment who came, which came through one offense, resulted in condemnation. But the... Free gift. I like that. It's just not gift. It's free gift. Meaning just given to us freely. Like, like, like we heard last Sunday, no? For a, for a Hindu to be declared righteous, he has to do so many good works in this life. And if he missed out in this life, next life. And if he missed out in the next life, next life. And keep on doing. And one day he will hope that he will have righteousness. But what does God do to all of us? Freely, we have to. We we don't have to. We we don't even have to do one thing. That is the reason why the hymn writers will say, you know, um, "Did my zeal no respite? No, should my tears should ever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. You gave this gift freely, freely. When I believed, this was given to us. Freely, this is the free gift of righteousness." the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness will reign in life. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift. But, as I said, everything in the Christian life starts as a gift. Don't neglect it. It's a gift. So what do we do? 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness, what is he? He is righteous. What do we do therefore? We practice more and more and more. Till it becomes a part of us. So how do we do it? Romans chapter 6. This is what it says. This is how we practice righteousness. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 17 onwards. But God be thanked. That though you were slaves of sin. You obeyed from the heart. That form of teaching. To which you were delivered, and having become, having been set free from sin, you became what slaves of righteousness. You started practicing righteousness. How? Through obedience to the form of doctrine. You see, there's a form. What is the form? The form is Jesus Christ. You are the metal. Through afflictions and through trials and through tribulations and through all kinds of testings, God is melting you. Okay. Through heat, he's taking away all the dross and then taking this red hot metal and pouring into that diecast called Jesus Christ. That is the form. Okay. So what do we do? We practice. We practice righteousness. And because in our earlier life, we were practicers of lawlessness. we it, it came by default to us. The Bible Bible says, we were disciplined to do evil. So what do we have to do now? Through constant practice, we have to discipline to do righteousness. Look at Exodus chapter 40. How do we discipline ourselves to do righteousness? Exodus chapter 40. The principle over here. Verse 19. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on the top of it, as the Lord commanded Moses. What should you underline? As the Lord commanded Moses. Where? According to the pattern shown in the mount. Okay. Verse 19. That is verse 19. Then verse 21. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering and partitioned off the test, the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay. Verse 23. And he set the bread in order before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 25. And he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 27 And he burned sweet incense before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29 Everything as the Lord commanded Moses. How do we practice righteousness? As the Lord commands us. So what is the command? Husbands love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church and he gave himself. That is a command. It's not a suggestion. It is not a suggestion, by the way. Wives submit to your own husbands. Pa- children submit to your parents and obey them as in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. That is the first commandment with a promise so that you will live long. So what happens? Verse 32. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And you know what happened? When they did everything as the Lord commanded Moses, verse, chapter 40 and verse number 34, the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We are the tabernacle in the New Testament. We are God's house in the New Testament. And if we practice righteousness and we don't neglect the free gift of righteousness that God has given us and we do everything and we say, Lord, I have made a decision to do everything as you have showed me in the word. You know what will happen? The end result of that is the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That glory of God is restored. So it doesn't matter if you're a very senior believer or a small young believer or a young in the Lord in age or young in the Lord as a senior. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 20 verses 11 to 12. Even small children are known by their actions. So is their conduct really pure and upright? You know something? Used to be small small children The way they act, the way they talk, even in their fun, you will know whether they are upright or not. They might be having a lot of fun. Even small children, we can know them whether they are godly or not by their actions. You see small children, you will see some of them are really pure. I mean, I was listening to one man of God who touched my heart. A six-year-old guy who came to the Lord and whenever he used to come to church, he was saved a young man, young boy, six-year-old. Whenever he used to come to church, he used to get out of the pew, leave his father and mother, get out of the pew, raise his hands and start singing the hymns and start worshipping God. Six-year-old boy, the pastor kept observing, what is this fire in this young boy? Raising his hands and weeping and worshipping God. And one day, he came to his, came to the pastor, because pastor was talking about missions. So he came to the pastor and he said, Pastor, Pastor, this is a tithe of my pocket money that I, that I received from my parents, $10 that I received from my parents, I'm giving you $1 as a seed into your ministry. Six-year-old guy. A six-year-old. The pastor looked at it, he was shocked. You know what he did? He took that $1, went to his office, he gave the dollar to the secretary and he said, please write us receipt. I want to give that receipt back to this young man, 6-year-old. I know pastor that you have a burden for souls and I want to sow into your ministry. Even young people are known by their actions. You give pocket money to your children. If they are righteous, test them with money. What will they do with that money? I know what I did when I was a boy. I was not righteous. Very, very unrighteous. And if my parents did not give, I said, okay, I'll take tuitions and I will earn my own money. My mother was very wise. Very wise. I know why you're taking tuitions. Because you want pocket money. I know that. Don't ever work for money, Vijay. I I just remember that. I mean, it came to my mind and I just left it in the corner of my mind. And I I, I just took the principle to my work. Wherever I used to go, I'd never talked about money. And that's besides the point. The point here is this. How you spend money. How you spend your time. Six-year-old boy, think about that conviction of this guy. Of this boy. The burden for us, for souls. So don't neglect. Even small children are known by their actions. Is their conduct really pure and upright? So parents have to take this to heart. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both for whom? For even for the small children? So, my dear brothers and sisters, practice righteousness. It's a gift. It's a gift. Hebrews chapter 5. Before we go to the next thought. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he's still a babe. But solid food belongs to those who, who are full age. That is those who by the reason of use, actually the other translations will use constant use. Righteousness is a gift Do not neglect. So we looked at at least four gifts. First is the gift of repentance. Second, the gift of Holy Spirit. Third, the gift of righteousness. The fourth one today. Fourth gift. Faith is a gift. You know that, no? Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. It's a gift. It starts off as a small measure that God gives us. Everyone, he has poured a measure of faith. It's a gift that God has given us. All of us, we cannot manufacture it in, in and of ourselves. It's impossible. God has to give us. It's a faith of Christ. The faith of Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. We know that. I'm not going there. So, what do we do now? We have to start increasing in our faith. So how do we increase in our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So don't neglect the assembling of the saints. Second thing we do is we allow the trials and temptations, even through testings and trials, we say, Lord, this is what you commanded. This is what I will do. And God will start doing it in little, little ways. Not big, big things. I am telling you honestly, you know, testings are not in big things. They are in little things. Read your Bible, pray. How long? Every day. That's a little thing. Do you read? Do you pray? I mean, that is a command for all of us who are irrespective whether you are in the ministry or not. If I am in the ministry, how much more? I mean, for me, at least a few hours, I have to continuously read. Continuously. I have to read because that is, it's, it's a little thing. But that is one of the things that God has given us to increase our faith. Okay. Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, uh, sorry, this is, oh, by the way, this is uh, not 2 Peter. Let me just check change this, please. Just, just give me a minute because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is Hebrews chapter 10. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse uh, 24 onwards. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of of together. For what? For the reading of of God's word, for the studying of the word, for preaching, for teaching, so that we increase in our faith. Don't neglect it. I'll tell you something. The family of God is a gift. Is a gift. Okay. Your brother, you did not choose. Your sister, you did not choose. Your parents called them a gift. I do not know whether it is a gift for you or not. Because I remember when Abigail was like three, two years, right? You were two years when Emmanuel was born. So Emmanuel, uh, that, till that time, Abigail was the cat's whiskers in the fam, family, COE, center of attraction. Okay. All eyes, Abigail. Okay. And the closest to Abigail was Amama. Amama is grandmother. Hmm? So Emmanuela came. Everybody came to the hospital. Emmanuela was born. Grandparents came. And Emmanuela was given into the hands of Amama. And that day I had to see Abigail's eyes. She didn't realize it, no? Those eyes, so she was not very happy actually. <laughs> and we were saying, God has given us a gift. God has given us a gift. Emmanuela, God is with us. God with us, God with us. She says, God with you a gift. Family of God is a gift. Why are they a gift? I'll tell you. Like iron sharpens iron. So the countenance of her in close fellowship. You know what is going to happen? Oh, ruptures will take place. You'll rub against each other. And you have to start saying, Lord, she's a gift. He's a gift. Okay. You, this is a gift that God has given me to sharpen me, not sharpen me, to smoothen me. To take away all the rough edges in my life. Through the reading and the studying of the God's Word, you know what's going to happen? Like I told you, no? There's a flow of the Word of God that is going on. And even as you come and submit yourself to the teaching of the Word of God, all the rough edges are made smooth. And you are smoothened and smoothened and smoothened through constant fellowship. It's a gift. So what do you do? You make a choice. You make a choice. I, wa- I don't want to forsake the assembling of the saints. You don't have to be close to everybody in the, ch- in the, in the church. But there will be a certain few people. God will tell you. Pray with them. Spend time with them. In prayer. Discussing the word. You know what's going to happen? Slowly the rough edges will be made smooth those who fear god it says in malachi chapter 3 verse 16 often spoke to the, among themselves and a book of remembrance was written about them they heard john speak and followed jesus said what do you seek rabbi what do you where do you stay and they went and spent time with jesus that day what do you think they did they talked about ipl world cup no see the word of god he is what, word, word incarnate. What do you think they discussed? About himself. And you know what happens? That night they spent time with Jesus and the Bible says Andrew spent that night with Jesus. He went, the very next day he went to his brother and he said, you know what, we found the Messiah. You see, you spend time with Jesus like that, together in fellowship, there will be a burden for lost souls, and you will want to introduce others to Jesus. Jesus saw the faith of who? All the four. In Telugu, there was a movie called Naluguru. If I have to preach, I have to preach a message in Telugu. That's, my, that's going to be my title one day. Okay, Analuguru, Analuguru, Analuguru. <laughs> Those four people. What did they do? They came with this guy to bring them to Jesus. Because they heard about Jesus. And they saw the crowd. And you know what? That kind of faith is indefatigable. They said, somehow we have to take this boy to Jesus. So they become very creative. Faith is also very creative, by the way. Okay? That is the reason why the Jewish people and the Christian Christian nations, they are very creative. They thought outside the box. India, we are not very creative. We only made one thing called zero. Okay, we, that is our contribution to science and technology. Zero. Okay, no, not a problem. It's a good contribution because uh, uh, we, we boast about it. Huh? Kya hai? Zero. They said, they, said, they said something, no? They said, no, one American, one business. Two Americans, two business. Three Americans, paradise on earth. They'll make what? Disneyland. Okay. One German, one, one scientist. Two Germans, two Two thi- Germans, two scientists. 3 Germans, 3rd world war. 1 Indian, philosopher. 2 Indians, argument. 3 Indians, confusion. Chaos. We cannot agree. You see, one of the things that Indian constantly do is non-alignment. We abstain. Because we have it in our blood, all paths lead to the same God. You're also right. He's also right. I do not want to say who's right. Because I am very confused. We abstain. Right from the beginning, Gandhian days. Okay. In U- U- United Nations, we've started the what, the what movement? The non-alignment movement. And Jesus said, Baba, if you don't gather with me, you're scattering. We don't understand that, no. Because all gods are the same. Always lead to God. So, So there was one preacher who was preaching about God. His name is Prakash Gandela. He was preaching about Christianity. And there was one sister from the Hindu background. She was very upset. She came to me, I I liked all that you said. But why do you keep insisting that Jesus Christ is the only God? Then there is only one God. And she looked at her. Sister, you are saying, this is also God. This is also God. Think about the day you get married. Your husband comes to you and says, you are also my wife. What will you say? You are also my wife? Meaning? I have some other wives also. That's what it means. Is that okay with you? She sure, absolutely not. Then how, you sister, being so holy, only want one husband, how can you say there are many gods? Can you imagine you take the neighbor's father's ho- photo and put it in your house? And you say, all fathers are the same. He is also my father. Will you say that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Non alignment. Non alignment. Think about this. This exclusivity. So, we have to, you have to make a choice we have to make a choice come back it's a it's 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 a it's a choice to stay in fellowship is a choice and we have to grow in faith okay so he tests us through trials and and testings we have to increase when well and then they will they will come a day god will say something very interesting mark chapter 9 look at what it says mark chapter 9 and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the destroy uh, uh, and into the water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us Jesus said to him, if you can do anything. And what did Jesus say? If you can, believe. If you can believe. That means, you have to come to a point in in your life where you have the faith. It starts off with a small measure. it Starts increasing, even as you obey. In little things. More and more and more and more, and more, it starts increasing. Faith is a gift. So, four things we looked at. Repentance, gift. Holy Spirit, gift. Righteousness, gift. Fourth, gift, is faith. Fifth one. Holiness is a gift. I didn't say this. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. This is what it says. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What is sanctification? Holiness. It's a gift. God has set you apart for himself. This is positionally true for all of us. So what do we do? This is a promise that God has given us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17. Come out from among them and be what are the separate? Be separate means what? Be holy, huh? Says the Lord, do not touch what is unholy and I will receive you. We want God to receive us even though we are, we are unholy. No. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. And then he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, the immediate next verse, this is what it says. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us what? Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Filthiness of the flesh means all the lusts of the flesh and of the spirit. Pride, arrogance and rebellion. Perfecting what? Holiness. How? In the fear of the Lord. Okay, so gift means just not ministry. This is all a gift. Holiness is a gift. And that is the reason why I didn't want to come to ministry first. I'm I'm going to come now to ministry. Lastly, among all the gifts, ministry is a gift. Who gave you this gift? You thought you were God's gift. I am giving myself to God. (laughs) No, 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 no. I am giving myself to you so that I can use you. There's a complete difference. Total different paradigm. Ministry is a gift. It starts off as a gift. And all of us have been given a gift. I'll come to that. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. In this context he says, neglect not the gift. That is in the, which was given Thee by prophecy, by the laying on of hands of the Presbytery. Gift. This gift, what you should what should you do? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him. That is other translations will use the word, opens doors for him and brings him before great men. This is the gift, a gift of ministry, gift of an office. Gift of service, whatever. Whatever the gift is. And I'll tell you something. Every gift, in even in ministry, it starts off as a gift and it is perfected through practice and use. The more you practice, the more you study, study to show yourself a prudent unto God and a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you keep on doing it more and more and more. It becomes sharper and sharper and sharper. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before. See, God has opened doors for you. But for you to pass through that door and stand before kings, you have to exercise that gift. Understand this. Don't take this gift slightly. Everybody has been given a gift. Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams. He exercised those gifts diligently even under difficult circumstances. The cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer will be exalted and the baker will be hung. He interpreted. And finally, where did that gift, gift take him? Before Pharaoh, David had a gift. What is that? To play the harp and use the sling, and where did it bring him? To the palace. Esther had a gift. What is the gift, before? Excuse me, excuse me. Beauty, because there were so many beautiful people. Understand? What is the gift of Esther? Abigail Esther? What do you think? Excuse me, somebody said something. Cooking. If I have found favor in your eyes, please come to my house for the meal that I prepared for you. Boy, he goes to the house and this king is like flabbergasted by the spread and the delicacies. And he says, Esther, what do you want, Baba? Half the kingdom, yours. No, 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 no. Tomorrow also you come. Tomorrow also. Gift of cooking. Cooking is a gift. I'll tell you something. My mother-in-law, she's a fantastic sambar maker and she makes incredible mutton curry. That taste is just difficult, different, okay? It's it's like a patent she's got. And it doesn't matter when she makes it. It's so consistent in its its taste. Now, she is not highly outgoing. If you look at her, she is very simple and quiet. But the entire North America was talking about her cooking. Because she went to Canada. What is she good at? Cooking. Especially mutton. So she made mutton curry and all the desis invited the whites. The whites came to the house and they ate that mutton curry and they said, Baba, what is this mutton curry? And they didn't say, take half of Canada because it's a democracy. <laughs> but it's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Do you know that it's a gift? I mean, one of the reasons why Jesus often ate at Martha's houses because I think the cooking was fantastic. <laughs> Every other house, he said, "Excuse me, sister, I have a meeting." But tomorrow, to your house, I'm to, to your house, I'm coming for eating for sure. Or maybe, you know, excuse me, sister, I'm fasting. <laughs> I, I do not know. But to your house, I'm coming for eating. You know, I was telling Stan, uh, what's his name, Stanley, Baba. What is that cooking? I can't invite you to my house now. Who can come to these standards? Shepherd's pie. What is that right? Sambar, which is an emotion. My goodness, you should see the spread that we were treated to. Cooking. It's a gift. The gift of cooking and Esther saved the Jews from the, from the clutches of Haman. Softened the king's heart. No wonder they say it's not in the Bible. The way to a man's heart is through his belly. My heart. You know what I what you ought to give me, okay? I mean you wouldn't believe it. I mean I went I went to uh, yeah Joseph's house, uh, to Joseph's church for for, uh, for preaching, no? That day they made a spread for me. Gongura mutton, one curry, gongura prawns, another curry. And they made a spread, and I'm not too much of a non vegetarian. I eat non vegetarian, but I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm definitely crazy about sambar. So they gave me this entire spirit and and, uh, I said, uh, I looked at that sambar, I said, uh, Brother, I like also the, Pastor Garu, today no sambar for you. (laughs) They took the sambar and it put it there, to the corner. Today you are only going to eat mutton. Okay, you remember that? I don't think you remember. Okay, He was busy. Oh my goodness, I was like, finally I ate and said, Pastor Garu, I also want to taste your sambar. It's it's there. See, it's a gift. It's a gift. Jesus, Esther exercises her gift of cooking. The best meal. And she saved her entire nation through her cooking. So don't take these things lightly. Jesus exercised his gift. You know how did he exercise his gift? He listened carefully every day. Morning by morning. And the Bible says, the Lord God gave him the tongue of the learned. You know why? Because he heard and heard and heard and heard and heard. Ask questions. And one day, after 30 years, he went into the public. You know what he did? He did not preach a sermon. He just opened the Bible and and read. People were shocked. The Bible says they were amazed at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. What did you preach, Baba? Not the Sermon on the Mount. You just read the Bible. I'll tell you something. There's a reading, and there's a reading. And the key. Kelvolo. Ardha Rahitanga Ardha Sahitanga. Meaning, you should have the punctuation. You should have read your word. You know where the pauses are. You know, Telugu Bible is like that. Telugu Bible, you don't have these punctuations. You have to be very careful. And one of the things that Telugu Bible has done, it has slowed me down. Like I was was 23 knots. It's brought me down to 3 knots now. Slowed me down because I have to go slow. Go slowly because I have... I'm not used to it, no? Tongue gets caught in different words. Slowly and then you know and then when you read when you read meaningfully you know exactly where the holy spirit wants to wants you to pause and that's what it says in psalms sela means what don't rush take it easy now for a while pause pause and think contemplate so morning by morning so father gives us so many gifts so what did he give us first Gift of repentance, second, gift of Holy Spirit, third, gift of righteousness, fourth, gift of faith, fifth, gift of holiness, sixth, gift of ministry. And if you do not neglect them, you will not drift. These are all gifts. You do not neglect them, constantly increase in them through practice. You have to grow. The Bible says, the, the, the child waxed strong in the spirit and grew in the wilderness. The Bible says, Jesus grew in the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, the child Samuel grew in the presence of Eli, the high priest. And one day, he says, none of the words of Samuel fell to the ground. And he was established as a prophet in Israel from Dan to Beersheba. He grew. He did not drift. So what is the solution to all our problems? If you do not want to drift. First is grow. But how do we grow? First thing. How do we grow and not drift? Drop. Anchor. Okay. In other words, stay in one place Baba. Don't be tossed about to and fro through every wind of doctrine. Unless the Lord moves you, don't move. See, Lot moved out of Abraham's tent. Okay, let us not talk about the talk about the decision. You should ask. Lot should ask. Should ask, Am I going from one level to the next higher level, or am I going down? Then I can move. Actually, when you come to that point, God will move you. God will send you out. Moses was faithful in his father's, I mean sorry, Joseph was faithful in father's house and he was so faithful, the father loved him so much that father is not going to leave him. But God wants to, wants to move him to the next level. So what does he do? Sends him out. He moves you. So stay where God wants. God has stationed you. Be stationed in one particular place till God moves you to the next higher level and be absolutely sure that it is the next higher level and not down. Because every time the Bible says Abraham went away from the presence of God, he moved down to Egypt. He went down. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a down process. If you leave the presence of God, drop anchor. So, how do we drop anchor? What is this anchor? How does how does God qualify this anchor? In Hebrews chapter six, this is what He says: Hebrews chapter six, verse nineteen. This hope, we have an anchor of the soul. How is that? How, what kind of anchor is this? Both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. Oh, so important. This is so, so, so important. Where is this anchor? Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You know, we were, we were hearing, uh, we were singing that that one song, no? I have a great high priest, the one who goes to the father, etc. Some words to that effect, right? So what, what has happened? Jesus has gone into the most holy place, not on earth. Earth was only a shadow. The real substance, it was only a shadow or a pattern of the real tabernacle in heaven. He has gone into the most holy place in heaven. So what should we do? Our soul has to be anchored to him. And what is our soul? What is our soul? First of all, our will. Second, our mind. Third, our emotions. The will, the mind, the intellect, And the emotions have to be anchored in Christ. So how do we anchor it? How do we anchor it? The pattern is shown in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were several stages to reach the most holy place. The first stage is the bronze altar. A type of the cross. Okay? So where do you do? What do you do? It's still in the outer courts, by the way. It's still in the outer courts. You go to the bronze altar. You surrender yourself and say, Lord, I sin. I sin. Me, let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, you do not have to walk in condemnation. If you are walking in condemnation, it's a choice you've made. Not, it is not according to the word of God. It is a choice. To walk in condemnation is a choice. Because the Bible clearly says, if you confess, he is faithful, Not only faithful, he is also just to forgive you all your sins. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sin. Therefore, he has taken his own blood and he went into the most holy place, not with the blood of bulls and goats. It was blood. It speaks better words than the blood of Abel. speaks righteousness on our behalf. That is That is gone there. So you anchor yourself. How do we do it? You go to the bronze altar every day. Bronze altar, even today. Even today, you can get your life straight. You can come to God because he says, come to me all that you are, all of you who are heavy laden. If you have sinned, you know you have sinned. You don't have to walk in condemnation. I want to tell you, my dear brothers, young brothers and young sisters who messed up your lives, who who, who are walking in guilt. You don't have to walk in guilt. You know, one of the things my mentor said when he when he was dropping me, dropping me to the railway station, he said, you know what, Vijay, it doesn't matter how many times you fall, get back and come back to Jesus. Come back to him. Don't run away from him. Go to the altar. Confess your sins. The Bible says, he, he who hides his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes his sin will obtain what? Mercy. Mercy. And you cry out for mercy. What is, what is, what is the bronze altar talking about? It's talking about mercy where not you have been judged. God in Jesus Christ was judged. Okay. Second place is a bronze lever. That is the preaching of the word of God. Where you cleanse your hands and you cleanse your minds. Okay. Wash your hands, you sinners. Cleanse your minds, you double minded. Can't be double minded. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the, in the church. You can't. Either you are for him or against him. Either you love God and hate the world or you hate, you love the world and hate God. If anybody loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So don't be double minded. Make up your mind today. And then what happens after you make up your mind, you know, the first thing you have to enter into the holy place, what is there? There is a covering. What is that? What is that? What is there? A covering. You know what that means? Come under godly, godly mentorship. Submit yourself to godly authority. Yesterday was pastor made a powerful statement. He said, women have to submit to the visible authority. Men have to submit to the invisible authority. And I was saying, Lord, that is so difficult. You know what God told me? For you, you're still not at that place. You still have a visible authority in your life. I placed over you a pastor, a senior pastor. Submit to him. Submit to him. Come under covering. And I'll, I'll tell you something, my brothers and sisters. This is one truth I have practiced my whole life after I've come to this church. 15 years in this church. And I already made and I keep telling myself, I said, you know what? I have already made a decision to submit to authority. The Bible says. Joshua submitted to Moses' authority. You know what it says? Moses laid his hands upon him and he imparted him a gift. And he gave him some of his authority. And he proved him after that. After the death of Moses, you know what happened? God gave him complete authority. Not complete authority means not absolute authority. The authority to be on his own, depending upon God. Submit to godly leadership. Listen to their words. Let Make this a principle in your life. I do not want to cause grief to my spiritual parents. I do not want to g- cause grief to my parents. I don't want to be a source of, of sorrow and grief. Make that decision. Come under covering. Then you know what happens? There is a shoe bread. What is it called? The table of presence. You know what that is? A life which is not hidden from God. This. Constantly under God's supervision. That is what He tells He tells Abraham, Walk thou before me and be thou what? Blameless. Walk in my presence. Don't have to hide. You know why why you don't have to hide? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly the reason why he looks at Nathaniel and he says, You know what? Behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no Kyle. What a what a certificate. If I were to get that certificate today, behold a true GTCite. Vijayita Gata, in whom there is no guile. I will take that certificate, signed Jesus, okay? Not my, my by, by, by me or anybody else, signed by Jesus. What a certificate! What a certificate! Shoe bread! Come and don't have to pretend. And you know what happens? When you surrender yourself and you come to the examination of the word of God, what happens? There is a constant flowing of the anointing oil. And your lamp is consistently burning. And then what happens? Your prayers are acceptable to God. That is the table of incense. And you know what happens after that? You hear from the presence of God, from the most holy place. What has happened? What has happened? You get revelation, you get direction. You've anchored yourself. This is the process. He says, we have an anchor to the soul, but sure and steadfast. And the major problem is a lot of people they are still in the outer courts. They fall in sin, they repent, they wash from their double-mindedness on Sunday morning, they go back into the world, and by the time that Saturday, they're already double-minded again. You know why? Because they have not passed the veil and come and come under the submission and the authority of the church. So they construct constantly struggle their entire lives. Their entire lives is a constant cycle of repentance and doing the same thing again, repentance because they have never willingly submitted themselves to God-ordained leadership. That is anchor. Drop anchor. I have many things to say, but you cannot bear them now. (laughs) Drop anchor. Stay in one place. Don't be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and the Bible says such a man will receive, how much from the Lord? Nothing. Anchor. Drop anchor. Let me tell you something. If you want to face the last days, be careful of drifting. And how do you be careful of drifting? Don't neglect the prophetic voice. Second, don't neglect God's gift. Third, drop anchor. Say everybody, I will drop anchor. Say that. That's it. I will not drift anymore. Let's stand up this morning. Drop anchor, church. Drop anchor. Things are going from bad to worse. Every 25 years, they said it was a generation. First they said 75 years, then they said 40 years, then they said 25 years. Now they're saying every 6 months is a generation. Now every hour is a generation. Things are changing so fast. But there's one constant. The ancient of this. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He went into the most holy place with his own blood. It says by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being what? Sanctified. So this morning, drop anchor. Drop anchor, don't, drop, drop anchor, don't drift. Okay. So that is Christ teaching. Neglect your gift and then you will drift. Got that? Let's pray. Father, I pray, Father, for all of us this morning. Last days are here, are here, they are upon us. Lord, like Delilah told Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And many of us, Lord, are still lulled by the world. And that we are in the lap of Delilah. And we do not know that the anointing has left us. I pray Father, all of us will take it to heart. Samson's final prayer was, Lord, one last chance. And you are giving us a generation. We also ask for a chance, oh Lord, that our separation will come back. Our separation will come back. Our consecration will be back. The gifts that we have neglected, that you gave us so freely, we will begin to value them. For you said in your word, O oh Lord, that gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Thank you, Lord, that you don't change. Thank you that you don't change. This morning, O oh Lord, I pray. None of us will neglect that gift. Whatever you have given us. All the gift of righteousness, the gift of holiness, the gift of repentance, the gift of faith, and the gifts to minister in different capacities in the church. We will use it and we will be prepared for your coming. We will not drift and that day will not be upon us like the Philistines were upon Samson. We'll be prepared. We'll be ready. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Commit all of us into your hands. Breathe the blood of Jesus over our lives. And even as we go about into a new week, go ahead of us. A new month is upon us this, this month, this, this week. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would go ahead of us You would straighten crooked paths for us. Cause us to walk in your ways. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful time.